Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Darkest Hour. I'm your host, Amanda Jane. Humans, we're instinctually compelled to explore the unknown, to test the boundaries of free will, dissecting the limits granted by our vessels to examine how we fit within the orchestra of stars. Humans are brave, yet sometimes it feels like we're inside a dimension where time and its expiration are the only harmonious notes we share with our fellow man. A ghost hunter's job, for example. I've noticed a common theme in ghost hunting videos that I find so fascinating. On their tours, it's often not paranormal activity they worry about. It's the presence of other humans in the area. I ask you to consider this. Who would you rather see staring back at you in a dark alley? A ghost? Or an agitated drug addict with a bat and nothing to lose? Osborne Dorsey invented the door handle to keep animals out. Tonight, I'll share a couple stories that explain why they decided to throw a lock and a deadbolt onto that knob. So, let's get started, shall we? So I wanted to share this creepy encounter. About four years ago, my wife and I planned an evening out for her birthday. My parents babysat, and we went out to a restaurant. Because I drove, I didn't drink, so we didn't bother to go anywhere else after we were done at the restaurant. But because the night was young, we decided to go on a long drive. A location which was relatively nearby was a large national park. We decided to take a drive up there and just sit and chat under the stars. When we arrived up there, the country roads were dead. I found a nice open parking area to pull the car up in. We sat inside the car, talking. We started making out, and things carried on until, you know. At no point did either of us leave the car. As we were doing the deed, headlights lit up our vehicle. Instantly, we were like, Oh God, there's somebody driving up. I hope they don't see what we're doing. For me, it was an instant turnoff. So I got dressed and stopped what we were doing. I thought the car was just a fellow traveler passing by, but to our surprise, the car pulled into our area and began circling us. I put the keys in the ignition and said, Let's go. I drove out of the car parking area onto the road and back to the main connecting road. The car followed. Once on the main connecting road, we could see the make, model, and color of the car that was now following us. It was a dark red Ford. I drove quickly, but not recklessly. The car matched my speed and was right up my ass. At this point... Neither of us were 100% sure if we were being paranoid or if this car was really meaning to follow us. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll pull off at a random turn and see what they do. 
so I put my foot down, and after a few hundred yards down the main road, I made a late left turn down a really narrow side lane. I pulled up a little while on this road, stopped, and turned my lights off. I watched in my rearview mirror to see if the red Ford carried straight on the main road or if he turned off. A few seconds later, there he was. He had turned off and was now coming down this narrow lane towards us again. At first, we were blinded by his headlights, but I was sure it was him. My wife said, I don't think it is the same car, you know? And I said, it is, it is, look. As he got closer, it became apparent it was the same car. So I drove down the road further, and luckily, I found a space big enough to turn my car around. I spun around and back down to the main road again. He followed. Now, back on the main road for a second time, I decided to speed. As I was heading toward the built-up city center, he kept behind me the whole way. Eventually, we stopped at a red light, and he was right behind. I looked in my rear view and saw his face. To this day, I can still see his face. A middle-aged, slightly tubby man with glasses and thin gray hair. At this point, I was freaked out. We both were. I said to my wife, I'm going to keep driving and try and lose him. But I'm not driving home, so he doesn't know where we live. She agreed. We drove around for maybe another ten minutes. He was still following. At this point, I was beginning to consider the possibility of calling the cops, but I thought that I would give it a few more minutes of trying to lose him. Thankfully, a few streets later, he turned off and was never seen again. I know it's a real possibility that he may have been a dogger. Not sure if this is a thing in America, but it's basically where strangers meet other strangers in the wilderness to, you know. But if he were a dogger, or if he thought we were doggers, or not, then surely he would have understood we weren't interested when we actively drove away. The fact that he followed us into the built-up city for 25 minutes, or more, makes me think he had more sinister intentions. What do you think? To this day, it's still the weirdest moment of my life. This happened a bit over a year ago, when I was 17, flatting with some friends. One night, we were all drinking and smoking weed in our flat, doing what normal teens do. When I decided it was time to go to bed, I collapsed on my bed at about 10 p.m., forgetting to close the curtains. Hours later, I woke up facing my window, since my bed is alongside my window. Our fence is only a couple of meters from my window, and next to our house, we have an electronics store with a little shed attached to it, but it's almost right against the fence. Anyways, as I'm lying there, I notice something black on top of the shed. Since I'm still half asleep, I assume it's a cat, 
but as my eyes adjust and I take a longer look, I realize it's too big to be a cat. Suddenly, it moves, and I realize it's a person sitting against the wall. I don't think much of it. I'm thinking they're probably having a smoke or something. So I get up and walk out of my room to get a drink of water. Two of my flatmates are still up watching a movie. I tell them that someone is sitting on the shed. They say that I must be imagining it. I should just go back to bed. I get my drink, check the time. It's 3 a.m. I must be imagining it. Why would someone be out there at this time? I walk back down the hall to my bedroom, sure that I imagined it. But as I walk into the doorway, I get the shock of my life. The person has stood up and is now standing on my fence, directly in the middle of my window, only a few meters from me. I can see that it's a tall, skinny man, in all black, with a hood, who stands there, motionless, staring at me. I stare back, frozen for a second, before finding my feet and running into my flatmate's room, which is next to mine. Her window and curtain are both open, but I can't see the man from her window. I wake her up and I tell her what happened. It takes her a while to wake up, enough to understand what I'm saying. Finally, she gets what I'm saying, and I ask her to come with me, back into my room. She agrees, and we both slowly peep around my doorway to see the man still standing there, in the same spot. We both freak out and run into the lounge to tell our other flatmates. They finally believe us. We all follow each other into my room. At first, we can't see anything. The man is gone. But then I see him. He has walked down the fence and is now standing outside the lounge window. We all stand there staring at him for what seems like an eternity. He doesn't move at all. Finally, one of my flatmates walks over to close the curtain. The second he does, we all hear the man jump down. We all run outside, but it's too late. He's gone. The next night, I climbed up onto the shed to see how much of my room could be seen. And to my horror, you could see everything in my room, clear as day. It still gives me the creeps just thinking about how long he was up there and could see me sleeping. We did report it to the cops, but we never heard anything back, and I've never seen the man again. In high school, a group of friends and I purchased a Ouija board to play with. We decided my house was the best, so the five of us sat around the board in my bedroom one Friday night and began to play. The board was also glow-in-the-dark, adding to the spookiness. The first time was uneventful. The only entity we contacted said that its name was No One. The second time was much more memorable and terrifying. 
It was only my close friend and I in the room, playing in the dark. Music playing softly on my stereo. We asked the basic questions, and soon noticed our breath was visible. We were freezing. Now, my house was in the woods, and my room was notoriously cold during winter. So I turned my space heater on, and we continued. No one appeared again, and still our breath hung in the air, despite the heater going full blast. The radio began to jump stations, and the volume raised and lowered. Loud static filled the room, so I shut it off. The stereo jumped back on, lights flashing, country music blaring, even though we hadn't been listening to country. Unnerved, but also excited, my friend and I laughed, asking no one more questions. Feverishly, the planchette flew across the board, sometimes right out of our hands. Besides predicting some minor events, we laughed off the encounter, and the Ouija board was put in my closet for safekeeping. The novelty had worn off, or at least no one wanted to play with the board anymore. Some had bad dreams or just bad feelings. Meanwhile, I felt a dark presence following me, almost like an eerie shadow that I could feel but not see. One night while in bed, the doors of my closet burst open, the radio blared on, and my lights flickered. This happened a few more times on various nights before my paranoia got the better of me and I began to look up how to dispose of a Ouija board. Obviously, we had released something sinister. I learned that burning it was a bad idea. So my next option was a burial deep in my parents' woods. So one rainy afternoon when nobody was home, I took the board and a shovel and I hiked deep into the forest behind my house. I dug a hole the best that I could and I buried the board deep in the mud. I had terrible nightmares for weeks that I would come home from school to find the muddy board on my bed, but no such thing ever happened. My closet would still burst open and the radio turn on randomly. My room stayed freezing cold most of the year. For years, I felt haunted and followed by something dark it has subsided over the years, but I still have encounters. TVs turn on or my things go missing and suddenly appear. The encounters feel much less sinister than before. So I think whatever or whoever no one was, it wasn't good. I think the board opened me up to the encounters, but only the first felt dark or dare I say evil. I have found as long as I tell them that I know they're there, the events stop. I'm not sure what I encountered, or if it still follows me now. This happened a few years ago. I had gone to Walmart to buy diapers for my daughter, who was about 18 months old at the time. 
as I was finishing getting her strapped into the car seat after our shopping trip, a woman approached me. I quickly closed the car door and turned around to speak to this woman. She told me that her van was out of gas and asked if I could spare a few dollars. I told her that I was so sorry, but I didn't have any cash on me. She then asked if I could come with her over to the nearby gas station and use my credit card. At this point, I noticed a seedy-looking van a little ways off in the distance, with a man sitting in the front seat, watching us like a hawk. I knew that I had to get out of there. I told her, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. And I got in my car and locked the door. Sure enough, she walked over and got into that seedy van. I drove the long way home, and I made sure they weren't following me. I was creeped out, but I soon forgot about the encounter. Fast forward three or four months, I see a news story about an attempted abduction of a woman in a Walmart parking lot. They show the mugshots of the individuals responsible, and it was the same couple I had encountered months before. My blood ran cold. I don't have any recollection of this. It involves me, but I was too young to remember. Before my family moved, we lived in a small town called Waterford, outside of Albany, New York. It was along the Mohawk River, and very close to where Mohawk and Hudson connect in the Erie Canal system. We lived in a small house at the time, around 15 years ago. My parents both had instances in the house where they would hear me as a three-year-old having conversations by myself in my room. They'd be freaked out by this, obviously, and when they'd ask me who it was, I would always give them the same response. The runaround man. This also coincided with an experience that they had where the lights in the kitchen would shut on and off at will. When they had someone look at it, they would say that it was perfectly fine, but it never stopped. It even happened when someone was there looking at it, and they immediately left. Years later, my parents found out from some people who had lived in the town for many years that the house used to be occupied by a handyman in the 1920s and 30s. He was referred to around town as the runaround man. He lived there until a fire killed everyone in the house. My family moved from that house in the mid-2000s, and the house was torn down after massive flooding from Hurricane Sandy in 2012. This happened about 10 years ago when my children were younger and my husband worked a permanent night shift. I'd put the kids to bed and been watching TV for a few hours when I decided it was time to hit the sack. I went and checked on the kids and went to the bathroom to brush my teeth and wash my face before bed. My bathroom was then pretty tiny. We've since moved houses 
but the mirror above the sink reflected the door in the corner of the bathroom next to the door. I set about brushing my teeth and having a wash. I was finishing washing my face, and when I was toweling my face off, I looked in the mirror, and I saw a girl staring back at me. She looked to be in her teens, and she stood slouched in the corner of the bathroom. Looking back at me in the mirror, she was making direct eye contact, and she wasn't smiling. Just nothing behind the eyes. No emotion. Nothing. She had long, scruffy, dirty-looking, curly blonde hair. And she was wearing a long, plain, pale pink t-shirt. She had dark circles under her eyes, like she hadn't slept for a week. I spun around, and there was no one there. I looked back in the mirror, and there was nothing there. I was a bit freaked out. I ran quickly to check on my kids and decided to move them into my bed. Nothing else happened that night, and I never saw that girl again. Although, we did have other paranormal stuff happen during the time that we lived in that house. This happened when I was about 14 years old, and I was babysitting my younger cousin. I'd been to my aunt and uncle's house a gazillion times before this. Nothing creepy's ever happened. I'd already put my cousin down for bed, but decided I was going to watch a movie in the bonus room. The bonus room had a large entertainment center against the wall and a big couch that filled the rest of the walls. Behind the largest portion of the couch is a window that faces the side yard of the house. The curtains on the windows were mostly closed, but there was a little sliver that you could see through if you tried. I remember that it was windy, so even though I heard a couple of things outside, leaves, rocks, maybe tree branches, I sort of ignored them, and I chalked it up to bad weather. It wasn't until I heard the distinct sound of someone pressing against glass that I got worried. I stayed laying down in the halfway position I was in on the large portion of the couch. I tried to see if I could get a reflection of anything from the TV or the glass on the entertainment center doors. But it was too dark, and I couldn't focus that far away. So, still laying down, I slowly turned my head to face the window, and I looked up. I didn't see anyone, but I saw something. I saw condensation on the outer part of the window. The shape was that of someone's face, someone's mouth. I jumped up, and I jumped backwards out of the bonus room. Without thinking twice, I grabbed the phone and I dialed my aunt and uncle. They answered and told me to make sure all of the doors were locked and that they were close by. When they got home, my uncle did a search around the perimeter of the house. As he came inside, he tried to shield me from what he was trying to communicate to my aunt, at first mouthing for her to follow him, but she didn't pick up on that, and instead she asked him what was up. He hesitantly told my aunt that there were well-defined, large footprints 
in front of each of the first story windows, including the one that I'd been laying under on the couch. It wasn't long before they had an official security system installed, and luckily, they didn't have any more peeping Tom incidents. It was last month, I think the 10th of July. Me and my friends were in this kind of old, dank estate. It was an old building built in the 20th century. The owner of the house was a very influential man and also a judge. He died of a heart attack in one of the master bedrooms. The rent for the house was cheap and we rented it for a week. After some Monopoly and other society games, we got bored and wandered around the house. One of our friends proposed that we watch a horror movie. We watched Evil Dead and Drag Me to Hell. After that, we got bored again. So, the next move was obviously to do something interesting, like a seance. We don't know how to do it, so we searched online, and we found something. After the seance, in which nothing happened, we went straight to the kitchen to eat some pizza. In the kitchen, above us, we heard some noises and some kind of footsteps. We went straight to one of the master bedrooms, but we didn't see anything, so we went back to the living room. We had to stay another day in the house before we left, so the next night we tried again to communicate with the departed. But again, nothing happened right then. The day that we had to leave we saw a handprint on the TV screen. Also, one of our friends had lost his notebook and pen, while the other one who slept in the bedroom where the footsteps were heard had nightmares, and they couldn't rest all night, which was strange because he hadn't had any problems sleeping before sleeping in that room. But the strangest thing was when I turned around a bit to look at the house again, And I swear, I saw something in one of the windows. Not an old man or something, but more like steam that somehow took the form of an entity. Maybe a woman. It was a strange experience because almost everyone heard something, saw something, or experienced something. Everything was normal until we had that seance. About ten years ago, I moved into a house. My husband worked nights, so it was just me and my four-year-old daughter at home most nights. The second day we were there, my husband built our bed. I fell asleep alone and woke up in the middle of the night to my bed violently shaking. As I'm laying there, afraid to move, I notice the handles on my dressers are flapping up and down. I was afraid for my daughter, who was in the next room. So I jumped up out of bed, and I ran to her room. But she was sound asleep. I was too afraid to sleep alone in that room. So I had my husband pull our mattress into my daughter's room, so I could sleep there. In between the first incident and the last, several unexplainable things happened. Ceiling fans would rotate one way, then stop and rotate the other way. 
my dogs would start aggressively barking at a corner of the living room. Things would go missing and then show up in plain sight. We would smell weird smells like old lady perfume or a strong smell of popcorn where the kitchen would have been in the 1700s. I would hear footsteps in the attic and one night I heard the TV turn on in the spare bedroom. I go to check it out and the TV is turning off and on. I then saw a ball of light bouncing around the room. Another night, I had two friends over. We were sitting in the living room, talking, while my daughter played with one of those little people animal farm sets. She had a sheep in her hand and set it down in the middle of the table. As she's walking over to us, the sheep flies off the table and slams into the wall. I begged my friends not to leave, as I was terrified to be alone. The night before, I couldn't take it anymore. My husband was off of work and we had fallen asleep watching TV. He'd woken me up around 2 a.m. to tell me he was going to eat a bowl of cereal. So I went upstairs to my daughter's room where I felt the safest, and I still had my mattress on the floor. As soon as I close my eyes, I hear what sounds like her TV crashing to the floor. She had a lamp in her room that had a floor button, so I was able to turn on the light super fast. When I turned around, I saw her closet door flying open so hard it hit the wall. My daughter woke up, and we were both screaming. I left the next day and couldn't even go back inside the house to pack anything up. I had to break my lease. I told my landlord what happened, and it seemed like she already knew what was going on. She proceeded to tell me that any house can be haunted, new or old, and described how she couldn't keep a babysitter in her newly built house because it was so haunted. This house was not my first paranormal experience or my last, but it was definitely the scariest seven months of my life. This happened around February, March of 2021. My friend, a 19-year-old female, was at home getting ready to take an exam for one of her classes. With COVID still going on, our college had a lot of online classes. Her mom was headed to work, so she would be by herself for a few hours. As my friend was studying, she got a call from her mom, telling her to make sure the doors and windows were locked because she saw a police helicopter fly over the house and was worried. My friend quickly locked all the doors and windows and continued to study. The door at her house has one of those glass windows that are blurry and hard to see through. About ten minutes had gone by when she heard a knock and saw the figure of a man at the door. He was knocking rapidly on the door for about five minutes and started walking around the outside of the house. My friend called me freaking out. My dad is a police officer for the city that she lives in, so I had her call him and tell him about the situation. He told her to call the police and that he would try to find out what was going on with the helicopter. The police got to her house very quickly and searched around the house. The man was gone. 
They asked her some questions before searching the neighborhood. As far as we know, they didn't find the man. But we found out that the police were looking for a man on the run, and that is what the helicopter was doing. My friend and I are almost positive that the man they were looking for was the one at her door. I'm not sure why they were looking for him or what he did, but I don't think I want to know. When I was eight years old, my parents moved the three of us into a house for the first time in my life. Up until then, we'd lived in a trailer park for senior citizens because that's all we could afford. And the management there hated that I was living there. Shortly after moving, my parents divorced, my mom moved out, and my dad met and moved in with my stepmom and her three daughters. In total, my dad and I were in that house for six years, and things really didn't start happening, at least not that we noticed, until about the second year. From then on, it snowballed out of control, the paranormal events. Of everything that happened there, this is one of the strangest, and thankfully I didn't experience it. My dad did, a couple of times, as well as two other people, all of which didn't know the others were experiencing it until they later spoke about it together. The many other stories can be for another time, but this one is just about my room. The only things I experienced in that room were, at one point, terrible dreams that would wake me up in a cold sweat, panting, trying to catch my breath. I had never had dreams like that before or since. The room, when that happened, would be so electrically charged, I couldn't stay in it. It was the thickest air I've ever experienced anywhere, for any reason, ever. The worse it got, I refused to go in there for three months. I slept on the living room couch, and if I needed anything from my room, I ran in, felt the thick air, got what I needed, and ran out. Going through the door from the hallway to my room was like walking into a wall. The air was that thick. But then, that thing that those three experienced happened. And that was at the very end of our stay there, when things were absolutely terrible. My dad and stepmom were on the verge of a divorce. She was running around on him with everyone in town, drinking and doing all the drugs that she could get her hands on. So, she was gone most of the time. At this point, I was living with my mom because things at the house were just too bad. I was 14 then. My two oldest stepsisters had moved out to where I don't know, and my youngest stepsister was the only other one living in the house at the time, though she was also gone at somebody else's place, usually. So my dad and stepmom were the only two regular inhabitants. And like I said, even she was gone most of the time, partying with everyone. My dad maintained his job through all of this, and I still salute him for it. He was a garbage man and got up at 3 a.m. to be at work by 4 to start his shift, and he was usually home by 9 or 10 as he would fly through his routes. When he'd come home in the mornings, he would catch whatever guy my stepmom had brought back to the house to sleep with, 
jumping out of different windows, usually my bedroom windows. So my dad nailed every window in the house shut. My dad had also taken to sleeping on the couch because he didn't want to sleep in his bed where his wife was cheating on him. He told me of these terrible dreams he had while sleeping on the couch, where he would be surrounded by starving children, all reaching up to him, and then he'd be laying on the couch with all of them around him, reaching out to him with worms crawling out of their mouths and noses. But then, one night, a slam woke him up. He jumped up, expecting his wife to be there with some guy, but he was alone. He said my bedroom door, which had always been open, was suddenly shut. And it was shaking, as if someone were trying to get out. He thought it was her messing with him. He grabbed a baseball bat that he kept next to the couch, and he walked down the hall. He said he could hear both of my windows opening and slamming shut, as well as both of my closet doors opening and slamming shut while my bedroom door was still shaking. He called out her name and asked if it was her. All of the noise stopped. He carefully opened the door and looked in. Nobody was in there. He walked in to inspect and saw that both windows were still nailed shut and the closet doors closed. As soon as he exited the room, the door slammed shut behind him and the noises continued. He went to the living room, turned on the TV, and turned the volume all the way up to drown out the noise, and sat there, watching TV, until he had to go to work at 4 a.m. The noise continued until he left for work. It happened to him several times. A while later, he ran into his wife at the bar they had already decided to not try to make the marriage work and were actually getting along better. She brought it up first and told my dad that she had experienced exactly what he had. A few nights later, my dad let a friend of his, an older man who had no place to stay, crash at the house. The next day, he asked my dad why someone was in my bedroom, slamming the doors all night. I had just turned 21 and frequented the bars regularly. In hindsight, I probably spent too much time drinking with my friends. I didn't have a car or a cell phone, and I lived on the outskirts of town. It was a 45-minute walk downtown. The town I live in is generally a very safe place. It's a wealthy, well-to-do, white-bred community. So walking home alone at night after drinking was nothing that bothered me other than the actual walking. It was a Tuesday night and that meant pints were cheap. So I wouldn't say I was completely wasted, but I certainly was more than tipsy. Instead of walking along the sidewalk where I feared I'd be picked up by the police for being drunk in public, I decided to take the bike path that ran along the train tracks. This meant the walk would take longer, but much safer and less likely that I'd run into any sort of trouble. Or so I thought. 
the bike path was not very well lit. And knowing what I know now, I should have been a lot more nervous about walking alone in the complete darkness at two in the morning. Like I said, I had just turned 21 and was certainly an arrogant young male who was thinking about women and not minding my surroundings. I'd taken this path many nights and coming across anybody else was rare. If I did, perchance, come across somebody this late at night, most of the time it was just another drunk college student who had the same thoughts as me. Either that or they were homeless. But if so, I'd say they were all harmless. So this night as I'm walking, I notice further down the path that there's somebody walking towards me. He wore a large hiking backpack, and he had his hoodie pulled over his head. It was so dark I couldn't see his face. I could really only just barely make out the outline. The person's gait unquestionably revealed him to be a male, who I figured was probably just a transient. It was odd to see somebody walking towards downtown at two in the morning. When I got really close to him and we were about to cross paths, this person just stopped dead in his tracks and I could tell that he was staring at me because his head just followed me as I walked by. It creeped me out a bit and I certainly felt like that was a bit odd. As I continued to walk, shrugging at the situation, I just didn't feel right. Something in my gut made me feel wrong. I stopped and turned around to see this person still staring at me. What? I asked him as I stopped walking and remained to stare back at him. That's when he hissed at me like a snake. A long, vicious sounding hiss that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I had hoped that he was just being weird, or perhaps was on meth or something. I nervously laughed a bit and said, uh, okay, and continued to walk on. I made it a few more steps and I turned to look back. He somehow managed to get closer to me without making a sound, and he stood completely still. I figured perhaps I was just drunk and imagining things. I turned back around and walked. Taking a few more steps, I turned around once more. Now I knew he was closer. I couldn't believe that I couldn't hear him approaching behind me. What unsettled me even more was how every time I turned around, he'd managed to stop and stand completely still. Uh, are you following me, buddy? Once again, he let out this creepy hiss. Just staring at me. Now I was freaked out, and I had this strange sensation that I was some sort of prey. Hey, fuck you, man. I now yelled. In hindsight, this was a bad idea, because I'd already felt like I was some sort of target. The last thing I should have been wanting to do was provoke this sick, twisted bastard. I started backing away at this point, not taking my eyes off of him. He just stood there, hissing. 
The hisses were getting longer, louder, and more malice was apparent in him. As he started to hiss louder and louder, he began to engage in some sort of pursuit. At first, they were basic steps, but the further I backed away, the more he sped up, taking bigger steps towards me. I said, forget this to myself, I'm getting out of here. I noped it out of there and began a full-fledged run. He started running after me. I could hear his heavy boots gaining on me, hissing like a cat, growling like a dog. I feel his spit hitting me in the back of my neck. Get away from me, I yelled. I might have peed myself, I was so scared. All I could think to do was run as fast as I could and get inside my house as quickly as possible. I've always been a very fast runner, but this guy was much taller than me, and his legs were really long. So he was really cutting down the distance between him and me. I managed to keep a good five feet between us, though, checking back behind me as I saw his arms reaching out in an attempt to grab me. I finally made it out of the bike path and onto the crossing sidewalk of the street that was lit up by street lamps and a few passing cars. I was so relieved to finally make it back to civilization. There was a gas station over by my house, and I thought I'd run to the safety of its inside, only to see that the lights had been shut off and the doors were closed. It was closed. I had to make it to my house. As I got closer to my house, I could see my roommate's lights were on through the window. Chris, I shouted. Chris, open the door. Open the door. I'm impressed I yelled loud enough that he actually heard me. I saw the front door of my house open up and my roommate standing in the doorway, looking confused. I ran up the steps and almost jumped inside my house, slamming the door behind me. Dude, what are you running from? He asked. You... You didn't see the guy chasing me? No. I ran to the window, and I looked outside. He was gone. I have no idea what happened to him, but I am sure that that had happened. Whoever the guy who hissed at me was really shook me up, and I never walked down that bike path after dark anymore. And so we've reached the end of The Darkest Hour. But be sure to join me every Friday night for a brand new episode. A big shout out and thank you to everyone for sharing your stories. And a huge thank you to my amazing audience for listening and supporting, always. And for the audience, tell me in the comments which story was your favorite and what types of stories do you want to hear more of? Remember, if you love The Darkest Hour and you never want it to end, be sure to hit that subscribe button, tap the notification bell, 
and tell all your friends. Also, check out our subreddit and follow The Darkest Hour on Instagram at thedarkesthouryt. Do you have stories like these? I'd love to share them. Send them to me, amanda.darkesthour at gmail.com. Stay spooky.